Hello, friends, and welcome to the PrepWell podcast. I'm your host, Phil Black. And if you have an 8th, ninth, or 10th grader with big aspirations, like the Ivy League or military service academies like West Point, ROTC, or athletic scholarships, boom, you've come to the right place. My specialty, my superpower, if you will, is preparing families for these competitive programs. I'll teach you what your child should do, when they should do it, and how you can help. So stick around and prepare to out-prepare. Hello, friends, and welcome to the PrepWell podcast. In today's episode, I try to help families figure out how to deal with the growing trend toward test-blind admissions. This includes families with seniors who have early admissions deadlines about five weeks from now, all the way down to eighth and ninth grade families. For those of you who aren't familiar with what I mean by a trend toward test-blind admissions, let me provide some quick context. It used to be that colleges and families used SAT and ACT scores as a primary filtering tool. How well you scored on those tests gave you a pretty good idea of the types of schools you would apply to. If you scored a 1590 on the SAT, for example, maybe you would consider MIT or Caltech. If you scored a 1010 on the SAT, a less competitive state school would probably be a better fit. And while not perfect, this filter acted as a starting point. It gave students and parents an idea of the universe of colleges that typically admit students with certain SAT scores. And for decades, these tests were generally required in the admissions process. Then, some schools moved toward what is known as test-optional policies, which gave students the option to submit a score or not. And schools claimed, theoretically, that not submitting a score would not be held against a student. Well, now, in part because of COVID, more and more schools are moving toward a test-blind policy, which means that the colleges refuse to even consider SAT scores of applicants, even if the applicant scored a perfect 1600 on the SAT, for example. And now some people on higher ed, they're forecasting that this test-blind trend may continue apace. We don't know for sure how this will all net out, but it seems like the train has left the station. So today, I'd like to give some advice on how to deal with this, how to approach the admissions process, and how you may have to change your expectations. I hope this information helps current seniors who are feverishly trying to figure out how to position themselves in this year's ever-changing admissions cycle, as well as for younger students who have some time to adjust how they're approaching this process as it unfolds. So just as a review, from a very high level, we all know that schools typically evaluate students starting with the big three. If you've listened to this podcast before, you should be able to recite this from memory. The big three, number one, GPA. Number two, the rigor of your classwork. And number three, your SAT or ACT scores. This is often how schools make their first cuts, if you will. They cut students who don't meet a certain GPA or SAT or ACT threshold. I call this hitting the screen. It makes their review process more streamlined and more manageable, especially these days with some colleges getting over 100,000 applications. 
In many cases, this screen, as it were, would eliminate tens of thousands of students from consideration. Most schools don't advertise what this threshold is, where students hit the screen, because it's not a perfect science. And there are students who hit the screen who would likely have excelled in many of these schools. But now, if schools start giving the option to submit or not submit an SAT score, this is the test optional stance, or they go further and refuse to consider SAT scores, this is the test blind case, which the UC schools have recently adopted this year, what's left of the big three, the GPA still, and the rigor of classes? Using these two metrics alone makes it more difficult for colleges to filter their list of applicants. Why? Well, to be blunt, a lot of students have high GPAs and a lot of students take rigorous classes like AP courses and honors classes and IB classes. And there is not a consistent measure of performance across the country. There are reports of rampant grade inflation and wide variances in the teaching and the learning going on in different high schools. So trying to filter by GPA and rigor is difficult because unlike the SAT or the ACT, which is standardized and offered nationwide and allows colleges to compare apples to apples, GPA and rigor of classes are not easy to assess. So what does this all mean? Well, if the big three has now turned into the big two by removing standardized testing, what other information do colleges have to help them make their decisions? Next on the list is extracurricular activities. And that's where I want to spend most of today's episode. But before we dig into extracurriculars, let's quickly go through the rest of the items that colleges will consider outside of extracurriculars. They're not the only thing that colleges will look at. And by the way, if you want a one-page overview that explains all of these things and lays out each of these different metrics in order of importance, please visit our website and request a college admissions snapshot at the bottom of the homepage. Okay. Here they are. After extracurricular activities, colleges will also consider awards, letters of recommendation, sometimes, demonstrated interest, essays, and hooks. And we're going to leave aside those for now because I've addressed them in several podcasts before and because extracurricular activities are where college admissions officers turn to next after reviewing GPA and rigor of your classes. Now, to set this up, I want you to imagine yourself as a college admissions officer in charge of assessing students. And let's say that you're at a college that has adopted a test optional or a test blind policy. Actually, for our purposes, let's assume you work for a college that has gone test blind, just to make the point even more clear and not create confusion, because there is a lot more game theory that goes into the submit, don't submit decision for the test optional school. So let's leave that aside. You are a college admissions officer at a test-blind school, so you are not provided any SAT or ACT scores from any of the applicants. You sit down, and you begin your review process, and you find that of your first 200 applications that you're reviewing, 95% of the students have a 4.0 GPA or better and have taken at least a sampling of highly challenging courses, college prep courses like AP or honors or IB. They're not exactly the same, but they're all pretty close to one another. 
There are smart students who have taken challenging classes, but you have no idea how they did on the SAT or ACT. Where does that leave you? Could you make an informed decision, admission decision, based strictly on their GPA and their course rigor? Probably not. Everybody seems to look about the same. So your next move is to go on to extracurricular activities. Let's see what we find out now. In case you're not a senior and you haven't gotten here yet, when you begin to fill out the common application, this is the main college application that you'll fill out as a senior, you will find 10 spaces to enter extracurricular activities. That is things that you've done outside of the classroom. And for each of those spaces, you have 150 characters to describe your involvement in that activity. That's about two sentences. That's it, two sentences, not two pages, not two paragraphs, two sentences. So you better have something compelling to talk about and you better make your words count. And this leads me to a very insightful question that I received recently from a Prepwell parent, a gentleman by the name of Kevin Murphy out of Troy, New York. And I want to read it here because I think it hits on a lot of what some parents and students are thinking about. So Kevin writes as follows. How do you highlight certain activities in a college application without just checking boxes? My son spent his time during COVID building a computer. He learned how all the parts worked with each other. He then built a computer that met certain software requirements of a training software I needed to run with a certain spending budget. He explained to me about everything about how it works, way above my pay grade, bottlenecking, cooling, solid state. He then made sure all the parts could work with one another and also sought out the best pricing. And he learned it all on YouTube. So Kevin's question is, where and how would his sons, whose name happens to be Patrick, where and how does Patrick show his work and how might this differentiate him when it comes to applying to the academies, meaning the service academies, or on a common application form? Well, that is a timely question, Kevin. Thank you for sending that in. And let's get into this. Why is this important? Let's start there. Well, if you don't have an SAT score to differentiate yourself, and lots of students take AP classes and have 4.0 GPAs or better, how else will you stand out? Why would you get accepted versus another student? You know, there are a few ways, essays, for example, but extracurriculars is a big one because students have three years and three summers to work on these and build a body of work. In this new world that we're living in, if it comes to this, extracurricular activities will take on a whole new meaning when it comes to college applications. And this, by the way, will not come as positive news for everyone. There are many students who have historically relied on strong SAT or ACT scores to get them into college without particularly compelling extracurriculars. Those students will need to rethink their strategy. Those students may be in trouble in the next few years if SAT scores get eliminated from consideration. So how do you optimize your extracurricular activities and where on the common application might these efforts show up? This could be a three-day seminar, and it's part of the reason why I created Preppel Academy and why Preppel Academy starts so early in ninth and 10th grade, so that you have a lot to work with by the time you become a senior. But 
a three-day podcast is not realistic. So let's address Kevin's questions and talk about them and see where it fits in. Where could his son Patrick's self-taught computer work show up on his application if it was something he wanted to include? Well, there are a couple of different spots. Number one, it could be entered in one of the 10 available slots in the activities section of the common application. Remember, this is where you have 150 characters to work with. So he's got to be pretty economical in his writing. Now, given the depth of his engagement on this topic, I don't think it would be difficult to communicate that this was a real thing that required a lot of time and effort and interest, all things that colleges care about. This would be even more valuable if Patrick's angle or how he's marketing himself relates to computer science or STEM or math. It tells a great and aligned story. Number two, or the second spot he could use this, he could use this activity in his Common App essay, either as the focus of his essay, up to 650 words, if it really meant that much to him, or it forwarded his story or his angle in a meaningful way, or he could use it as an anecdote within the context of a broader essay. Number three, he could share this story with the teachers writing his letters of recommendation. And they could reference this story in their narrative about him. In fact, if he had a strong relationship with one of the teachers writing him a letter, he could actually ask that teacher to include this story in the letter of recommendation. That's a cool way of making sure that the colleges hear about a particular story if you want to emphasize it, or you can't find a place on your application to fit it in. Number four, the COVID essay. For all of you seniors out there, if you haven't seen it yet, you will discover that the Common App provides two opportunities, optional opportunities, for you to write about how your life was affected by COVID-19. One has a limit of 250 words and the other 650 words. So one option is for Patrick to say something like this in one of those areas. COVID-19 led to the cancellation of the following scheduled activities I had for the summer. A, B, C, D. Given these cancellations and the limitations of the lockdown, I instead embarked upon a computer build project that I could do while in quarantine. And here's what I did and why it was so important to me. Blah, 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 blah. It's an option. Another spot, number five, supplemental essays. Most colleges have their own set of questions that they ask students when they apply to their specific school. These are called supplemental essays. Some are long, some are short, some are medium size. This might be a great place to share this story if it was one of Patrick's top activities. And chances are there would be a supplemental essay question that would allow him to weave this in. And lastly, number six, if Patrick does a college interview, he would have the opportunity to share this story with the interviewer. This would give him the opportunity to expound on the story and put it into context. So as you can see, there are multiple ways to include this type of story into Patrick's greater common application to highlight his great work and all the lessons that he learned. Now, I don't recommend that Patrick overdoes it and includes the story in every single one of these spots because you want to give the colleges a wider breadth of your work. You have to step back and review your profile and your angle and your other activities and figure out where and how to emphasize certain activities. 
there's an art and a science to that. What is the story you want to tell? And how do you best deliver that story? Now, Kevin Murphy actually shared another story about Patrick that I wanted to also address because it provides yet another example of how a student might include an atypical activity into their common app. And I suspect there are others of you listening right now who may have similar experiences, and I hope this resonates with you. Here's a little bit about the story as told from Kevin Murphy, Patrick's dad. Patrick, at age 14, was my primary caregiver during my cancer recovery. I developed occupational throat cancer from two decades in a career of firefighting. With chemo and radiation, I received home hydration. Patrick handled the role of hooking me up to an IV and a PICT line twice a day for my two-hour hydration treatments. This included prepping the PICT line, spiking the bag, setting up the machine for the proper rate, and then unhooking it all. All this while watching me, his father, get sicker and sicker and then thankfully recover months later. He took on this role at 14 years old to help me and his mother, who had to work full-time to hold down the fort. He also took over chores like lawn mowing and shoveling, pretty much anything we asked of him. Now, with this story, Patrick's dad asked me, is this something that Patrick could include on his college application? Well, the answer is yes, for sure. Once again, I don't have the full picture of Patrick's entire body of work and where something like this would fit into his greater story, but yes, absolutely. This is fair game for the college application. And yes, this experience could show up in all of the above options that we just talked about. Number one, activities as a primary caregiver. Number two, in the common app essay, either as the subject of the whole essay or maybe just a part of the essay. Number three, in the supplemental essays, in whole or in part. Number four, in the COVID essay, if it happened during the COVID times. Number five, with teachers writing letters of recommendation, if you have the right relationship with the teacher. And six, in an interview. So here's the bottom line. If SAT and ACT scores continue to be de-emphasized, if not eliminated completely from consideration, extracurricular activities will play a bigger role in your application and your personal story. How could it not? And when it comes to UC schools this year, University of California schools, who don't even require letters of recommendation, what else do those schools have to go by? Not a lot. So if you're someone who does well on standardized tests, you may not be able to rely on them as a point of differentiation. You will have to rely more on the activities you participate in, why you're participating in them, and how they tell a story about who you are and where you're going. This is why I harp on this topic so often inside Preple Academy. And remember, extracurricular activities include three full summers. Now all of you prep wellers know why I spend so much time working with you on planning out your summers. This is another reason why Preple Academy is becoming more and more crucial for students who aspire to competitive programs, because extracurricular activities start in ninth and 10th grade. And we teach prep wellers how to think about these things early enough to where it matters, not in the middle of 11th grade. In the past, many students wait until the middle or the end of 11th grade to start thinking about this stuff. And some in the past have gotten bailed out because they scored well on the SAT. Not anymore. 
for the disengaged student who's not allowed to show their SAT score, who doesn't have a compelling list of extracurricular activities, and has to base everything on GPA and classes, I would rethink how you're approaching high school. For the student who joins three or four school clubs and doesn't take a leadership role and thinks that that will differentiate them, they should think again. For the student who wants to hang out every summer and not work or take an academic class and just go to the beach and scroll through TikTok videos all night long, they should think again. If college admissions goes down this road, giving no credit to high-achieving standardized test takers, the admissions landscape will change dramatically. I'm not even saying whether it's a good or a bad thing. Time will tell. There are arguments on both sides. But it does require a rethinking about how students go about their lives. So if you're not yet enrolled in Preppel Academy, please enroll. My program is based on this long-term approach to building a solid base of activities aligned with what you care about so that when it's time to apply, you have something to say, you have a point of view, you have thought these things through ahead of time, and you're not relying exclusively on an SAT score to get admitted to the school of your choice. There's no better time than now to let Preppel Academy and me guide you through these changes. So enroll if you're not yet enrolled. If you are a prep weller, dig into those videos and start building your body of work that you should be proud of, SAT or no SAT. That's all I've got for you today, folks. Thank you once again for tuning in. If you know a parent with an 8th grader, ninth grader, 10th grader, 11th grader, senior in high school that might find this helpful, please share this episode with them. You can do that by finding that small box with a tiny arrow pointing up. That's the share button. Click that button. Text your friends. Send them a little note recommending that they take a listen. If you have questions, comments, or an idea for an upcoming episode, like Kevin Murphy did, please reach out to me by email. DM me on Instagram, prepwell underscore academy. Visit my blog. Check me out on Facebook. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to hear from you. Until next week, goodbye, good luck, and never stop preparing. This podcast is brought to you by PrepWell Academy. PrepWell Academy is my one-of-a-kind online mentoring program that delivers to your ninth or 10th grader a short, highly relevant video from me every week, every Sunday, in fact, where I give them a heads up about what they should be thinking about to stay ahead of the game. To get these valuable lessons into your child's hands, please head over to PrepWellAcademy.com and enroll your child today.